It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. My guest today is Jay Arisman. He's a VP and co-founder of New Rift Distillery, and we are getting ready to launch our bourbon. It is an incredibly exciting time, and Jay, thanks for taking time out to come and talk to me today. Sure thing. So I think there's this big misconception that all bourbon is made in Kentucky. Always has been, always will be. Can you kind of bust a myth or two for me? Sure. It, it is a common misconception. Uh, we hear all the time that it has to be made in Kentucky. In fact, it has to be made in America. So 50 states can make bourbon. I'll bet by now there is a craft distillery in every state making a bourbon. Uh, historically, of course, it does come from Kentucky, and the legacy is there. And uh, uh, I guess 95% of America's bourbon supply is still made in Kentucky, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it used to be made in Ohio, uh, and in fact, there were other major whiskey towns than uh, just places like Louisville or Bardstown. Cincinnati, our fair city, was a huge bourbon city, uh, whiskey city, 100 years ago, 125 years ago. If anything, even better than, than Louisville. And uh, tons and tons of whiskey came funneling down from Ohio and also up from Kentucky into Cincinnati and uh, was was bottled here and went out to the world. Uh, there were probably 75, 80 companies maybe in downtown Cincinnati engaged in in uh, blending and rectifying and, and making up these whiskeys. Uh, it is fair to note that those weren't always the best whiskeys. There were, there were people in Cincinnati making fine and honorable whiskey, and then there were people who were compounding and rectifying and blending and adulterating and adding coloring and copper sulfates and all sorts of horrible things. And other stuff. Say some of the other stuff that I just love to talk about. Oh, there about. are some, <laughs> there are some crazy recipes, uh, back from those days. There were, uh, the, uh, copper sulfates and things and, uh, to, to color the whiskey and, uh, you know, turpentine to give it that little special something. Oh. And I remember a, a recipe for you take beef, beef, I mean the meat, and put it in the juice and, and oh it's my ri- God. ridiculous things. So, um, in fact, that all led to the Kentucky distillers saying, wait a minute here. We're the people who make great bourbon. Can we please protect our noble bourbon, uh, uh, juice and, and they formulated and got passed into law the 1897 Bottled and Bond Act which was uh, probably the first sort of consumer protection or product protection uh, uh, red legislation in America. And to this day, it's not only America's highest standard for an age spirit, it's actually the world's highest standard for an age spirit. So, of course, New Riff being actually quality-driven, all of our whiskey will be bottled under that standard, bottled in bond without chill filtration. So I want to talk about two things there, quality-driven. I mean, to me, that's been one of the most amazing things to witness is we we do practice what we preach. And as we were aging the bourbon, literally our founder, Ken Lewis, said, you know what, if it's not ready in four years, it's not ready in four years. We are going to make a superior product. And that's from what we put into who makes it to our barrels, to our facility. It's it's really an amazing thing and, and makes us all very proud for sure. But so without chill filtration, that can confuse people. I, I kind of love to give the analogy if you make a pot of soup and you throw it in the fridge and all of the fat rises to the top and you skim that off and throw it away before reheating the soup. Well, we're not skimming off our fat. We're leaving all that good flavor in our whiskey. So talk a little bit about 
non-chill filtered. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it, Amy. Uh, chill filtration is a cosmetic filtration process. The reason almost every other you know, bourbon company chill filters whiskey, and they also do it to cognac and 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 tequila and brandies and all over the world, scotch, um, is, is to cosmetically clarify the whiskey. It allows them really to add a lot of water to the whiskey. And, uh, and they do that so they can water it down to 90 proof, 86 proof, 80 proof, the legal minimum, uh, without the whiskey turning cloudy. That's why they do it, really. So when you chill filter a whiskey, it, it lets the producer put a lot more water in there and, of course, reap the profits of putting water right. in the bottle right. and selling to the consumer. But unfortunately, it does strip out, uh, sometimes a little bit, sometimes a lot of all the good things we love in a whiskey, like, uh, the aroma and the flavor. It diminishes the texture. It diminishes the color even. Uh, all of those things are, are attenuated or reduced uh, when you chill filter. And so a, a founding principle of, of great quality whiskey at, at New Riff and at other distilleries around the world that commit to entirely uh, no chill filtration is, is something we've been focused on from the beginning. It's amazing. And every product we make, will, that will be the case, bottled and bond without chill filtration. That's right. So you talked about the fact that there's all these, you know, people believe that whiskey has to, or bourbon has to be made in Kentucky. In fact, it's America. But there was a big debate about defining what bourbon is. And talk a little bit about when that became law. Yeah, you know, many of these uh, codifications in in, in uh, American regulation didn't happen in in 1897 or in 1906. The Pure Food Drug uh, Dr- uh, Pure Food and Drug Act. Uh, it wasn't until 1964 that Congress really set down all the laws we have today about about that. And and really, that was when they they decreed bourbon is is the national spirit of of America. In the in the 1930s and 40s, there was I've seen bourbons. Made in Mexico. It was labeled a bourbon, but it's made in Mexico. It wasn't until 1964 that we really protected it as our, our national legacy. And it was really identified and marked as, yes, this is, is what we make here in America. And if you think about it, it's actually America's one contribution to the world of, of alcoholic beverages. We didn't invent ale. We didn't invent, uh, uh, whiskey for that matter. We, we didn't invent all these wines, but by God, we made bourbon. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. it's a, it's a distillation also <laughs> of, of the native, uh, uh, ingredients that we had here in America. Right. right. European settlers came here with, with knowledge of distillation from Ireland or Scotland or places like that. Germany, many, uh, early Cincinnati distillers were, were Germany. Many of the, of the Cincinnati distilleries that ran and they were all over the place, north side and, Cumminsville and, and lots of places. Uh, they were Germans also. They, they came here and they didn't have the same ingredients that they had in Europe. They had, in, in Kentucky, they had corn. Right. And so that was the grain that got turned into, uh, to, into a whiskey. They also had, uh, what we still have today is, is a tremendous, uh, forestry resource. Uh, if you go to Scotland, you don't really see a lot of oak trees. You see some pine trees and some oak trees, but they, they don't have the, the white oak trees that we have here. And America has got a, a still a rich, uh, forestry industry. And so a new barrel was pretty easy to come by here in America. So we had corn whiskey, which is a, a bigger, fatter grain than, uh, than what you have out of Europe and, uh, flavored with rye that we also grew here. And a little bit of rye goes in that recipe. And then it went in a new oak barrel, not a used barrel, which is what they had in Scotland. And so it all added up to a big, fat, rich. It's bourbon as we know it today. It's really a distillation of America. Well said, Jay. 
You're well welcome. said. You ought to go into the business. That's <laughs> ah, a great idea. It would take me four years, though. I don't know if I could wait that long. That's right. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, I find is there's more and more interest in spirits and in whiskey and in bourbon. And I want to hop back to a little um, clarification of something with you. But first, let's say there are so many ways you can learn more about Whiskey, bourbon, spirits. One is joining the Bourbon Society here in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find them online. Bourbon Women has a very robust membership. They get together and taste different bourbons. The 51%, also a female-focused bourbon group where you can learn more. And then we do these variety of tours that you can come and see the distillery, see how the whiskey is made. Um, we do tours of our warehouse where you can go and look at our rick houses and our bottling lines. And then you and Brian, our head distiller, are going to be doing an occasional really special um, not a tour, more of a, I don't know what you would call it. You're inside the lab where they get to come and sit down with you and, and sort of pick your brain and learn more. And what do you like? What's the thing you always like to share with people that you think is, is most stunning to them about learning about bourbon in general? Well, you know, something I like to, to, to get people to understand is how to taste a bourbon and maybe evaluate the flavor of any bourbon. Once you know what's going into it, you can start to look for, uh, the, the flavors that are coming out. Um, like with any recipe, you know, a, a, a cake. If you know that there's dark chocolate in that cake and you've eaten dark chocolate before as opposed to milk chocolate, you can go into eating a bite of a cake and say, ah, that's a dark chocolate cake. Mmm, it tastes like 75% cocoa. Those kind of things that you learn about, about baking. Well, in, in, in bourbon, a, a big question of how a bourbon tastes is uh, how much of what we call, we distillers call small grains. So uh, think of a grain of corn. It's kind of large. You know, it's maybe as big as your fingernail. And a, a, a grain of barley or a grain of rye or wheat is small. And the distillers call these small grains. And they're put into bourbon uh, in, in large part to be a flavoring grain, to add some extra flavor to to the to the bourbon, uh, to the corn, really. And so when I sip a bourbon, I'm always asking myself, what are the small grains doing here? What's going on with the small grains? In the case of rye, that's what New Riff is, is known for. We are a rye-centric distillery. Uh, we put a generous 30% rye. It's one of the highest in the industries into our bourbon. And the result is a very spicy kind of flavor. If you'd like to, to have an analogy of what that's like, imagine the flavor of cornbread versus rye bread. Right. Right. One of them is very easygoing and mild and the other is assertive and it stands up to pastrami and things like that. So think, think of that when you're tasting a bourbon. A great way to get to know the flavor of rye is, of course, to drink a rye whiskey. Uh, to that end, I would guide you. Of course, it won't be out for several months. Uh, probably January 19, 2019, our rye whiskey will come out and our rye whiskey is made with 100% rye. It's 95% rye, 5% malted rye. So tasting that is, uh, it's kind of like, Tasting a chili pepper, what should you try? Well, I recommend a habanero. You will really understand the flavor of a chili if you eat a habanero, right? There's no mistaking it. And our rye whiskey is sort of the habanero of of rye whiskey. It's very spicy, very intense, uh, and very obvious what that, that rye spice is. Then go back and drink, after your mouth is cooled off, you know, go back and drink, uh, taste a bourbon again. And now you say, oh, now I, I get that rye spice that I knew when I tasted it just as a rye whiskey. So when we taste uh, New Riff whiskeys, it's ideal to do bourbon and rye and bounce them off each other. Very interesting. Well, one of the things we keep t- using the word whiskey and we keep using the word bourbon. So explain that in a nutshell. What's the difference between 
Whiskey and bourbon. Mm-hmm. Bourbon is a type of whiskey. There's whiskey made all over the world. Whiskey is a distillation of fermented grains. In Scotland, they make Scotch whiskey. In Ireland, they make Irish whiskey. In Canada, they make Canadian whiskey. In Japan, and so on and so forth. And in America, we we really invented two types of whiskey. One is rye whiskey, which actually is older than bourbon and predates bourbon. It was made in uh, the eastern colonies, Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland, uh, New York probably, and bourbon really didn't get off the ground until Kentucky was open to European settlement. Uh, and of course we invented bourbon. So bourbon is a, is a kind of whiskey. It's simply the kind of whiskey that we invented here in America. As I said, it's our national drink. And one last thing, let's end on this lovely piece of trivia. Sometimes you see whiskey spelled with an E. Sometimes you see it without an E. What's up with that? Right. Uh, it's just been a tradition in, uh, in Scotland to spell it with no E. In Ireland, they use an E. In Japan, they do not use an E, in part because they were emulating Scotland when they, when the, when the Japanese whiskey industry was really begun in the, in the 1920s. And, uh, in America, we mostly use the E, spell it, uh, EY at the end, but some distilleries choose not to. Right. It's really up there, but a rule of thumb, if there's an E in the name of the country, they spell their whiskey with an E. If there's no E in the name, they don't. That's How do quite you like true. that? Scientific. <laughs> well, Jay Erzman, thank you so much for joining me today. You can find more about Jay at newriftdistilling.com. You can come and see him at one of his Inside the Lab tours. And, of course, you'll see him at our Big Bourbon Toast on the 31st. Looking forward to it. And also our, our distillery shop, 81 and Beyond. He'll be in there while we're selling our whiskey. Jay, thanks for joining me. Thanks a lot, Amy. Thanks for listening to Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. For more, visit Amy's blog with Q102 online at WKRQ.com.